0: Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. It is, um, uh, I don't know how many days until college football again, Colin. It's a lot. It's a lot. Too many. I can't just do it on my fingers and toes anymore, so that's how I know that it's too many. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. National Championship game is over. We're going to talk about that here in a couple of minutes. Just some, now that we've had a week to digest it. Uh, we want. We'll talk a little bit about the game. Uh, talk a little about Georgia our national championships. Congrats to national champions. Congrats to the Bulldogs, uh, Bama. Feel really bad for the little guy. It is what it is, though. You it was know, a good may- story, you know. It was. It was. Maybe someday they'll be back. Just a couple of some
1: upstart kids down there. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they kind of had everything. This is this was their year, you know. They they really had everything come together. Um, I, you know, it's 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 tough for a program like that to. To get back to that stage and reload, you know,
0: maybe we can get a Disney movie about it. Mm, I go. mean, as we were talking about in the Discord earlier today, um, they made Moneyball, and that team didn't do shit. So um, mm. maybe we can get a Moneyball esque movie about this Bama team. Um, who, who knows? Uh, add us on Twitter. Moneyball is it overrated? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's an awful movie. It's a terrible movie. It's not. It's like I I hate it. I hate that movie. Um, What's it you, Colin? What do you is that movie overrated for you? And if not,
1: what, what is like your overrated movie in your opinion? Uh no, I will say I, I do think it's overrated. I don't hate it. I'm not an overly harsh movie critic. As long as you can keep me entertained, I'm usually pretty good. Um I do shadow, I do shadow puppets for you and you're entertained for like hours. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm, so exactly. This is not a high bar. No, it's not. Okay. It's really not. Yeah, but you do a really, really nice like bunny being chased by a T-Rex. <laughs> It is good. It is good. It's top-notch stuff. Yeah, yeah. Off Broadway.
0: <laughs> so, okay. So, what's your overrated movie then? Oh man,
1: overrated movie. Mm-hmm. Like in your opinion, what movie just isn't very good? Oh man, um, really putting me on the spot here with I this know. one. Um, hmm. I don't really, I don't really love um, Draft Day. That gets a lot of hype. No one likes Draft Day. I thought that was the whole point of it. Oh, I don't know. I just I see the movie get a lot of hype. I don't really like that one. I've never seen it, so um, not missing in, much in fairness. That's what Devon, I uh, it was uh, Tra- Trayvon Mack
0: one one. Is it the running back? Yeah, see, I, I, I know nothing about this movie. <laughs> I never played Madden, I never played NCAA. I haven't you. Never it played day. NCAA. So no, I've never played NCAA, like not even like, like just ever at a friend's house or something, literally yeah. never played it. I, I did play, I owned like Madden 2000 mm-hmm. or something, Um, but I was never like a big Madden guy. I was always much more like FIFA. Um, right. Right. And like the old, like NHL, like hits, you ever played that one? we're like yeah totally on the radar when you could just like you fought and you could like mm-hmm. hit people whenever and like my brother and i used to the, the cheat to that game is if you played multiplayer and you were on the same team you would just purposefully it's three on three and you could only get one guy in the penalty box at a time and then you could do whatever you wanted and nothing could happen <laughs> to you so we would purposely get a guy in the box and then one of us would check the goalie <laughs> the other one would get the fucking shooting. <laughs>
1: Total exploit. Total, they really didn't think about that when they, Cheat uh, codes. They made that game. Yeah. Is and, that what? Is that what made you sort of want, want to be a lawyer? That loophole. That exactly.
0: Paid? I was like, "What is this feeling? This is great." <laughs> and you know, here we are today. Um, all right. So let's get into this before we, um, before we just completely lose our entire audience here uh, in, in the next minute or so. So. This podcast is a part of the fantasy points media group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the true North fantasy podcast, the play to win podcast dynasty, happy hour, the injury prone podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras dynasty vipers, the smoke show, the triple play fantasy podcast, and the fantasy points podcast itself. You can follow all of them on one place on Twitter at fantasy points live. Check out the Friday drops that recap the week in the fantasy points media group. Um, so let's I guess let's start with that natty discussion. I know everyone's probably kind of d- debated this game to death. That's not what we're going to really do here. Um, you know, we don't have a ton of analysis, but we do just want to talk a little bit about it, obviously, since we were recording during the show or during the, the game last week. Um, really just a, a couple of points here that we wrote down that we can discuss. Colin, I think the first one here that we have written is it's is Stetson Bennett the GOAT. Um, and obviously tongue-in-cheek, and a shout out to um, Chris Moxley, a friend of the show and uh, one of the partners over at campus Decanton, Canton, um, who is the world's biggest Stetson Bennett stand. But like it's he he played within himself all season. Mm-hmm. You would expect a quarterback of his caliber to lose a game for you somewhere along the line. Uh, and he never really even got close to that. Like even that first Bama game, like they just got kind of, you know, overrun. Um, but it wasn't his fault. I mean, he's not the worst quarterback we've seen win a national championship in recent memory.
1: Is he last decade, decade plus? Um, no, no, I don't think so. I mean, there's some, there are some not great ones that won at Bama. I was going to say, I think Bama's had a couple
0: that were probably mm -hmm. worse in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, good for, good for Stetson Bennett. It's a great story. That's probably going to be a movie someday. I mean, they just made one about, uh, Kurt Warner. So that you know.
0: movie, I haven't seen it, but like the effects look so <laughs> bad. Like it just looks like it's it low gone, budget. It
1: should have gone straight to DVD. <laughs> it's low budget. Should have gone straight to VHS. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, it's, it's a great story. They're going to make a movie about it someday, but you know, Stetson Bennett really, uh, really Trent Dilford, his way to a, to a title, you know?
0: Yeah. The defense is the story, but I mean, completed 65% of his passes on the season, 2,800 yards, uh, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, he wasn't a passenger. So yeah, I mean, I, I, there's not a whole lot to talk there. He's going to be back next year. And, you know, we're not going to necessarily talk about JT Daniels at all this show, but it is reported that he's probably going to hop in the portal here. I think um, he's going to graduate so that he can just enter as a, a grad transfer at the end of the semester here and, and find a home that way. Um, So it's Bennett's backfield, which sounds like a really terrible talk show that he's going to have there in <laughs> Athens for life if he wants it. <laughs> And no, nice. I just thought of that as we nice. as the
1: words came out of my mouth. That was pretty that good is thought. very nice. Is, is uh, he gonna be as, call me? Call me. We'll set that up. For you. Is he gonna be as tired and hungover as he was on the uh, on the Good Morning America? I think show? it's required.
0: <laughs> and luckily, if that's the case, lifetime will be to about fifty, and then massive <laughs> organ failure. So,
1: I, side note though, I do feel bad that they grab that kid. Like you stop getting these kids right after the game. Like the next morning when they're very clearly like hungover. After a night of debauchery? Yeah. Like they did yeah. the same thing to Joe Burrow when he won it. Like, stop doing that. Let these kids enjoy it. Get them the next day. It's Luckily, still relevant. Do you think he ever went to sleep? No,
0: absolutely not. No, I don't think so either. I think no. he just was up. Yeah. If he
1: went to sleep, there was no way he was going to wake up
0: for that interview again. It's like how I showed up to uh, my now wife's uh, college graduation. <laughs> weekend at bernie shit (laughs) prop me up in fairness in fairness my wife is a year older than me she graduated (laughs) on my 21st birthday so there's a story there's a story for uh for for the fine people out there i I believe i've heard this story yes her sister who like it was very intimidating at the time didn't even know she just sat there and rubbed my back the whole time um (laughs) Very nice of her. Um, that, that, saint. that muggy Saturday afternoon in the middle of May, basically, literally the, the worst climate, whatever you could possibly be in. I'm sitting there burping and I can taste of um, um, oh, what Jaeger? It was just, oh, that was a very long ceremony. The ceremony itself was probably like not that long, but it felt like it was like hours. So. Um, so I can sympathize with Stetson Bennett to bring this back to where um, where we needed to take it. Um so I guess okay, that's we've talked enough about Stetson Bennett. I hopefully never don't talk about him for a while. Um a couple of Bama questions and I don't I'm going to ask this one to you Colin. I don't ask this question to belittle or, you know, kind of discount Georgia's championship. I, that that is not the intent of this question, but I do think it's just worth discussing. You know, does Bama win this game if Jamison Williams goes does not go down? They were up when he got injured, injured on a big play. That offense really sputtered, could not could not move the ball consistently, especially in the red zone once he left. Um, so, I mean, what do you think? you think they 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 would have won? Like, would have and could have are probably two different questions.
1: Um, could have, yeah, absolutely for sure. The de- so definitely different questions. Would have won? I think it's hard to say. But their offense did noticeably lack some punch after Jamison Williams left that game. I will say if Bama has one of Jamison Williams or John Mechie, I think they could have won that game. Now, obviously, Mechie was injured much earlier in the season, but um, not much earlier, but earlier in the season. But I think if they have one of those two, I definitely think they would have been on pace to win this game. so, yeah, I think Williams' health played a significant factor in this outcome.
0: Uh, to follow up to that, do you think Nick Saban deserves some blame for not having somebody ready behind those two guys? I mean, you can recruit all the guys you want, and obviously I think they probably expected more from uh, Julio Billingsley maybe. Um, obviously, Jace McClellan going down kind of eliminates your big backfield receiving
1: option. But, I mean, does Saban take some blame for this? Um, no because the class that they brought in this year um was all freshmen so you know obviously that that was a stupid line obviously the class they brought in this year was all freshmen but the i was um, i was gonna let you go the the highly recruited guys that they have on that roster are all freshmen the guys that they brought in the class before this um you know ty jones ty jones bell um shavon baker trishon holden those guys they weren't really, I mean, for Bama standards, they weren't really that highly thought of. Uh, So it doesn't really surprise me that in their sophomore season, they weren't really ready to step up. Uh, So I don't necessarily put a lot of that blame on him because he keeps having guys graduate early. I mean, outside of Devonta Smith, they just kind of all leave. Um, You know, Jalen Waddle could have stuck around. He could have been there this year. Um, So he, he tends to have guys leave early. So you, that kind of accelerates the timeline for some other guys. And if they're not ready to step up, then I don't necessarily put that on Saban. Well, we're uh, luckily going to talk about that
0: Alabama receiving situation here in a little bit. Um, but just to kind of uh, put a put a bow, I guess, on this game, my last question here for you, Colin. Um, a hall was really disappointing in this game. Um, this was kind of, You know, you can't you can't draw up a a bigger chance uh, on a bigger stage for a kid to kind of go out uh, top recruit and make a name for himself. Um, And he got the target volume. He played 32 snaps in this game. All this information that I'm about to say, according to PFF, 32 snaps, which was basically half of his season. Totally only played 80 Mm -hmm. snaps on the entire season, according to them, saw seven targets including if Chris Moxley is to be believed, and I know he, he would never steer me wrong intentionally, never. five targets on his first 10 plays. Uh, Bryce Young went to him early and often there. Um, only two catches, though. Two catches, 52 yards. Basically, a large chunk of it came on that one catch. I don't know how long that catch was, but it, it was a very large percentage of that. What are we doing with with a guy e. Hall um, who just
1: did not look very good in this game? So, yeah, I think the biggest thing there was drops, you know, these seven targets. Uh, and, and I don't think any of them were uh, Bryce Young throwing the ball and making it difficult on him. Um, I think they were all pretty catchable balls from what I remember. Uh, and he just, he just dropped him. He couldn't hang on to him. Uh, I don't blame him too much for that. I mean, this is definitely the most action he had gotten all year. You know he tried he's a freshman he's trying to step up in a, in a moment and just can't do it now i liked the ga hall coming in uh this past year but i did have him behind jacori brooks and jojo Earl. i just i didn't think he was quite as, as ready to play right away and then obviously he showed in the spring that you know he looked like he was so but he was still a freshman it's still a big stage so i don't knock him too much for that he doesn't really fall much in my rankings well he doesn't really fall in my rankings at all from this um he had slid a little bit just due to not really seeing much playing time here but i still have faith in hall so pff only credits
0: him with one drop in this game i have no idea how pff charts drops because that's not correct um he dropped more than one ball i'm sorry um, yeah um, but regardless, not not his best game. We'll see if he can rebound at all next year. Um, all right. So we'll, we'll move on from that here, Colin. A lot of running back news here. Um, the transfer portal kind of starting to settle down at least a little bit. Uh, I picked out five running backs that made the move uh, or made find a found a destination. Uh, here in the past week or two, that I think are pretty intriguing spots uh, for discussion. Uh, we'll start with Montrell Johnson going from Louisiana, following head coach Billy Napier, over to Florida. Uh, Florida has a very shallow uh, depth situation at, at running back right now. Does Montrell Johnson get some carries next year? And does this move the needle for uh, for you at all with him?
1: I mean, it has to mean something that you know he followed his previous coach uh, Billy Napier to Florida where this past year with Billy Napier at UL, uh, granted it was like a three headed backfield. he still led in, in total uh, total carries 162 to Chris Smith's 153 to Amani Bailey's 102. So it wasn't a wide margin, but he still led and you know, he looked pretty good all year. Now he's going to Florida where There's going to be a step up in competition. There's also going to be a step up in skill. There should be a step up in skill level around him. Um, So I I think that this, I think he can do, you know, something similar to what he did before. Um, And I do, I do worry a little bit though about, um, but DeMarcus Bowman, you know, we're, we're kind of still waiting to see if he can do something. I still have a little bit of hope for him. But out of the running backs on Florida's roster, he is probably the one that I feel the best about right now.
0: Yeah, he'll get some touches for sure. Um, I'm interested to see if um how Napier feels about like Malik Davis. I don't think Malik Davis is a very
1: good running back. I think he is declared. He gone? Is I think he, gone? he declared, yeah. Um, because I know Pierce is, I'm pretty sure he did too. Cause I think Naquan Wright. Uh, and Lorenzo Lingard, or yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Um. So I, I was am, just going through that like this past uh, weekend. I
0: so I am curious to see like what he thinks of the backs already on that roster. Mm-hmm. Um. He rotates two or three at a time. Mm-hmm. So I do. I still think that Bowman will be the lead back there, but lead back is you know, you know, and a nominally important title um, right. because they'll all get touches. you think it's going to be Johnson?
1: Um, yeah, I just think the familiarity with Napier is going to help him lead in the touches. I think it, we could see a very, very similar touch distribution this year at Florida that we saw last year at UL where Montreal Johnson gets 162 touches and Demarcus Bowman gets 153, you know, and then may, maybe Naquan Wright gets a hundred or or something, whoever the third guy to rotate in there is, uh, maybe takes a little bit of a step back from those other two, but. Yeah. I think it's going to be Montrell Johnson with a slight lead over Bowman. man. I don't think
0: Montrell Johnson's a bad player by any stretch, but I don't think he's starting running back in Florida quality,
1: but maybe I'm just crazy. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but like I said, I think it means something that he was the leading rusher there last year and followed his coach. Yeah. I don't know what it it says about the unstable backfield. I don't know what it says about the state of Florida's back
0: uh, team that they're just going and pilfering all these guys from UL, not a, I don't, I don't think it's a great look personally, but they, cause, cause they just pulled, in... they pulled alignment today too. Right. I believe. I think so. Yeah. Yesterday or today or sometime yeah. in the past couple days. Um, all right. So, uh, Montra Johnson, I guess doesn't, you know, doesn't get our juices flowing that much. We're not going back to the Richter scale. We were told after the show <laughs> that we just had a, a gross misunderstanding of what the Richter scale is. Yeah. Um, and we were we,
1: okay. were, we were, we were wrecking villages and, and, uh,
0: and ruining islands out here yeah, with these It's states. fine. It's fine. There's barely any people on those islands. Um, <laughs> Zach, Zach Evans is the most high-profile name here, um, but we haven't really talked about him too much as of late. He is going to Ole Miss. There was a lot of speculation he could end up anywhere. I mean, I don't think there was really a clear leader until late in the the chase here when Ole Miss kind of. Kind of uh, came to the forefront. It's interesting because there are a lot of rumors that that Kiffin and Co. may not be there next year, um, which would just be hilarious for Zach Evans' sake. The kid like has never made a decision that's like actually ended up working out in his entire life, <laughs> um, and this one wouldn't even really be his fault. But I mean, is this a good spot for him at Ole Miss? They lose Jerry on Ely uh, hey, Parish, uh, just transferred. He's going to be at Miami. Um, so it's really just Snoop and Evans, right? That, that's the only two no, guys there. Snoop declared too. Oh, that's right. Snoop did declare what? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's Evans, and then if they can, yeah.
1: you know, not a lot else there. Quinchon Judkins. Judkins. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, I assuming Lane Kiffin and company stay there, which at this point you know, we're kind of operating under that assumption. It's late in the cycle. So if Kiffin goes anywhere, it would be back to the NFL. We haven't heard him connected to any jobs yet. So I am leaning towards kiff is more likely to stay than go. If he does stay, I think this is great for Zach Evans. Um, you know, I think that he can be a lead back in that backfield. I mean, yeah, Kiffin split the touches a lot this year, but You know, going back to his days at FAU, you know, he had Singletary there. He Singletary handled a massive workload. Um, So, you you know, and in other situations, Kiffin has had a tendency to, when he has a guy, you know, maybe lean on him a little bit more. So I think that Zach Evans can be, uh, have a very, very significant workload this year. Um, Maybe not be a true workhorse, but I think he can have a significant workload. I can't,
0: I can't figure out which is more significant. The fact that they obviously shed virtually all of the rushing production there, uh, which obviously is important or the fact that they lose their, you know, top 10 pick quarterback and might lean on the run more. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure which of those factors ends up being more important, but I think in conjunction, they could lead to a monster season for Zach Evans. Although I'm not sure how much, how many touches he wants because that was a big thing for him at TCU. He didn't want to touch the ball 30 times like Bijan Robinson because he didn't want to wear himself down at all.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, you kind of have to rely on Judkins then at that point because I don't know who else they have unless they go out and you know maybe snag somebody else out of the portal or something. But uh, the way it stands right now, I think he would get a significant amount of carries, especially because, like you said, they're losing their top quarterback. They're losing Dontario Drummond. They're losing Braylon Sanders as well. So the wide receiver room is a little shaky. Uh, that team is not going to be very good next year, are they? Uh, I think they really they,
0: need to get Jackson Dart. there. I track.
1: was just going to say, I think they really need to get Dart. They really need to get Trig, And then probably grab another wide
0: receiver out of the portal. How many catches does Trig have next year, assuming that he and Dart end up
1: there? 40? If he, if he and Dart end up there and they don't bring in any other like wide receiver of consequence. Yeah, I could definitely see him getting 40. I think I that's reasonable.
0: Too. Yeah. Yeah, if, assuming health for the whole year, I think 40 right. seems like a nice nice place to stick that line. Um for now him and him and Mingo, so those those are the big options to start off with. All right. There's John Reese plumly left too, not that that's right, you know. You not that really that's that significant, about that. but. Um, the cff guys will tell you it is and we'll probably have somebody on later this offseason to talk a little bit about that spoilers um so let's let's go to personally my favorite I, name yep. on this list yep not because i think he's necessarily like the best player like you could tell me next like i all f- the other four names on this list could end up having better years and that would not shock me at all but Javon ducker uh jay ducker uh as he's also known was at niu um Transferred out going to Memphis. Ducker is really dynamic. He's a little bit undersized. Uh, I thought I had him at 195 and apparently he's 185. So, um, probably not a lot of NFL potential there based on his size. Uh, could maybe be a third down back, but he's just a very dynamic runner. I really like him. I think he could be a really good CFF option uh, for you, especially at Memphis, which has a history of smaller backs there. They've had Kenny Gainwell, Darrell Henderson. Um, somebody else too over the recent times like they, they they've not been afraid to play a smaller Pollard, guy taller yes yes they've not been afraid to play a smaller guy if they have them uh rumors that Brandon thomas is hurt like bad I not gonna spec like there's no news on this at all there mm-hmm. are rumors when it first happened like the injury was supposed to be really serious but if you go just google search Brandon thomas like literally it's like the guy disappeared but like two months has gone by at least, and there's zero news about this kid anywhere. So I'm very curious, but I think this maybe signals that, um, you know, something is going on there, and they didn't have a lot of depth behind him anyway. Um, so is, is Ducker, a guy for you, that this is a good move for him to go to Memphis, is where he's less crowded of a backfield. That's really weird to say.
1: Yeah, it, it is kind of weird to say about Memphis versus NIU, but no, I, yeah, hundred percent in agreement with you there. I love this move for Ducker. I think Ducker was always and this isn't necessarily a knock on NIU, but he was always a little bit more talented than what I thought. Like NIU was like, seemed like settling a little bit. Um, You know, I think that he could have played somewhere else. And I think that Memphis is a great level for him. Yeah. Like you mentioned, he's a little undersized. Memphis doesn't really seem to care that much. Uh, Memphis also has this history of splitting backfields and having multiple productive backs in the same backfield so i think this is a great landing spot for him i I think he can i don't know if i would really even call him a sleeper at this point for cff but i think he could have a monster year for cff and i think it's going a little bit under the radar right now
0: yeah i agree um and it's actually really weird do you know how how big brandon thomas is
1: Uh, i would guess like five eleven to 18 to 220. Listed to 5'11", 200. Oh.
0: Yeah. Okay. So he's not that big either. I thought they would be more like a Thunder and Lightning pair. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, that's what I was but, I, but I do think they can both get some touches there. So uh, interesting. And if he could just completely take that job, then obviously that's a very good situation for him to be in. I believe I did a video uh, as he was a guy that I was buying right before uh, fan tracks kind of shut down for the year. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, I listed him in there, him and all of those those backfield mates. I think it's a stock up for Ontario Brown and a stock up for Harrison Whaley as well. Because NIU ran the ball fourth most in the country, and the only three teams that ran it more than them were Navy, Army, and Air Force. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally, if you're not in a service academy, uh, you didn't run the ball more than niu so lots of touches there for those two guys now yeah um and i doubt that offense really changes functionally too much this offseason um kai thomas i think this is another one that's just like these are all very interesting to me mm-hmm. all five of these kai thomas running back at minnesota uh entered the portal he was a guy that you know things could have gone really well for him and he could have been the starter today at minnesota if if mohamed ibrahim had declared um, if. Um, Potts, Potts. You know, if he hadn't come back from whatever his ailment was, um, that basically left Kai Thomas as kind of the guy. But they're both coming back now, so he probably wisely enters the portal. Um, you know, two hundred five pound kid. He's got he's got the build. Um, he's going to Kansas. Elance Leipold runs many running backs, and they can all produce. Um, I went back and looked at this yesterday. I mean, in twenty nineteen literally they had like 500 carries between their top two packs so they can support it. Um, even if it's less extreme because Kansas just isn't gonna be very good. I think you can pencil in 150 plus carries for Devin Neal and Kai Thomas. I think this is a good spot for, for all parties involved.
1: Yeah. And Kansas, I agree.
0: Kansas is going to win more than one game next year too. Book it. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like this landing spot for him too. I think that, I mean, uh, Savian Morrison from Nebraska also went to Kansas, uh, but I don't really think that much of him. I think that this is much, you know, he could rotate in and and provide some decent depth, but I think it's going to be the Neil and Thomas show. And realistically, you didn't really want Neil getting as many carries as... You know, all, people, con- all
0: 500 of those. Y- yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You didn't really want him getting that many carries. I mean, like, I think one seventy five is a good number for Neil. If I, if he's over that, I, I would be a little bit concerned um, in terms of carries. Now I think, you know, he catches passes. Uh, he's a very good pass catcher. Not that Leipold usually uses them that way, but if he wants to contribute that way, he can. So but overall, I think that the split backfield is going to be good for both of them. Maybe not necessarily as good for fantasy as we'd want, but I still think it's a good call.
0: Yeah, I, I really like the the marriage there. Um, the only the only concern I think should be that, you know, is Kansas always in a spot where they can run? But I think that doesn't necessarily matter that much to Lance Leifold. Like, he's going to run regardless. So I do think, you know, continue to beef up the line a little bit there, and they can, you know, Kansas can make some noise. They can win three games, four games. You know, I think I think whoa, they can they can whoa. I know I know settle I know. down. I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, you know, it, I, I kind of like what they're building there. I really, really do. Um, last running back here, Colin, then we're gonna move on. Um uh, talk a little bit about some vacated production. Um, Noah Kane to LSU, a player that you're Uh, Very familiar with there from your Penn State Nittany Lions. Disappointed this year. We thought he could be the guy. Thought he could kind of take that next step. Never did. Um, LSU uh, loses Tyrion Davis Price. Um, But still a lot of bodies there. So, I mean, are we expecting anything from Noah Kane? It's a big name to go out into the portal and get.
1: It is a big name for LSU to pull in from the portal. But I think it's mostly name, mostly Flash. He's a guy that I did have a lot of hopes for this year. was not really that high on Kavon Lee. Um, Devin Ford is dynamic, but he's mostly just a returner. Um, he's not really a great running back, so the backfield was pretty open because I Holmes ended up redshirting this year. So I, I thought Kane was really going to take a hold of that backfield, and he just didn't. Um, you know, he's kind of just a jag at this point. And he's going to a situation in LSU that is also full of Jags. They have Corey Kiner, not a guy that I like all that much. Um, I know that he has his stands out there. I'm personally not that high on him. Monty Goodwin, I uh, was higher on him than Kiner, but Goodwin hasn't really done anything. They still have John Emery there, the ghost of him. I mean, he's, I don't know how many more years he's going to stick around. Maybe he'll pull a Logan Bonner at Utah State and be around for seven years. Um, I'm trying to think. They have one other guy. Uh, Trey Um. Trey Bradford went back there too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, he bounced around and ended up back at LSU. So it's just a ton of guys. I have no idea how this is going to shake out. This is a situation where I'm just avoiding everybody.
0: Yeah, do you think uh, Kane, like, do you know what his foot injury was?
1: Um. Two years I, ago, like two seasons ago? They didn't say, they just said foot injury. I don't know if it was like, a. am assuming you're thinking like Liz Frank.
0: Yeah, I'm just curious, something that, you know, maybe it takes him a little longer than we think it should to come back mm-hmm. from, and then he, you know, is good this year. I don't, I'm
1: spitballing here, Colin. I'm trying yeah. to up something mean, for Noah Kane. Help it is entirely there. possible. I mean, Franklin is not the most forthright with injuries, and that's in terms of college coaches too. That's just, you know, that's not even in general. So in terms of college coaches, relatively, he is – one of the least forthright. Um, he's no Mike Leach, but but so it's no Lincoln they, Riley. They, yeah, all they said was foot injury. So okay. I have not heard anything other than that. Gotcha. Okay. Um,
0: cool. So that's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I think it, that'll be a, a TBD, um, but you know, expectations probably should not be that high. And if you have Noah Kane, there weren't a lot of places that would have been worse for his stock. And I do feel like LSU was, was probably one of them, but this just clears yep. the runway for nicholas singleton so it does we, as we will talk
1: about all offseason i'm sure uh, at every opportunity and get. katron allen has a potential for some more opportunities here as well now all with right, only buddy. whatever helps Kevon, you sleep at night with only Kavon lee to fight with and Kavon lee was less than impressive this year so i'm not ruling it out
0: okay, okay i buddy. still like whatever allen. you say whatever you say um so yeah let's talk some vacated production then some opportunity knocking here for several players potentially across the country um this is just a small sample i mean today is the last day for um players to declare so we'll have a better idea of what all is returning and we still won't really know because of the portal here for for a couple more months Um, but these are some situations that we uh, know almost for sure um are going to have quite a bit of vacated production. We'll start with Alabama I said earlier. We're going to talk a little bit about them later on here in the show, Alabama is receiving production. So out the door goes Jamison Williams, Slade Bolden, John Mechie. Those guys all entering the draft and then Javon Baker and Xavier Williams uh, enter the portal Baker TBD, Xavier Williams, Utah state Between those guys, and not including the market shares from Jaleel Billingsley, who is leaving, is committed to Texas, and from Brian Robinson Jr., who is heading to the draft, who's used up all of his eligibility, you lose just from those wide receivers – 58.94% of their receptions market share, 63.52% of their receiving yards market share, and 56.52% of their receiving touchdowns market share. And I would wager a guess, if you included Robinson and Billingsley, that those numbers would all be over 75% or very close to it. Um, So let's talk some options to replace them, Colin. I guess we'll start with, the freshman class from last year—that seemed like a the, as good a place to start as any. H. Corey Brooks, A. Guy Hall, JoJo Earl, Christian Leary.
1: Yeah, I think that's a better place to start because um, Ty Jones Bell didn't really do anything. um on Holden had some run here uh, with all those injuries. You know, he got a little bit of run, so maybe he sees some work there. Um, but I think well, it's worth- large
0: for what it's worth Holden caught a shit ton of passes in the spring game last year. Yeah. I actually was sitting there like I don't think Trayson Holden's very good and he did not like he's not athletic but I was like well maybe he's just going to be a thing cuz Bryce Young likes him. And then he didn't do anything this year. Right. So, but I it's it's probably probably dangerous to completely just say right no Trayson Holden.
1: Yeah, uh I wouldn't necessarily discount him yet but uh, to your point, I think yeah, the, this conversation really starts with this freshman class that they brought in this past year with Jakori Brooks, uh Hall, JoJo Earl, and Leary. I think the two safest bets are Jacori Brooks and Jojo Earl. Jojo Earl was getting some run earlier in the season until he ended up getting hurt. Uh, and Jacori Brooks, once John Mechie went down, Jacori Brooks kind of really stepped into his role and, and saw a decent amount of work. Um, he led the uh team in catches in the national championship game, not yards, but he let him in catches. So I think he figures to have one of those roles on the outside locked down for next year. And then Jojo Earl likely has that slot locked down with a GA hall, probably being the favor for the other outside position. So you still think hall. I mean, I don't know
0: what they have that would start over him.
1: That's, that's kind of where I'm at. Maybe Holden gets the start there air quote start. And then they move towards hall. maybe, um, but uh, Leary is just a very different role there. I think he's he's like in kind of like a little bit more of a JoJo earl ish mold, uh, and I think Earl probably has that role, not locked up, but you know he's he closed the door on it. Uh, it's not locked, but he he closed it.
0: So if not those guys, you know there there's that class ahead of them. As you said, some of them are already in the portal here, and the other ones have have all underwhelmed. Might it be somebody that they bring in this year? I know freshman wide receivers don't necessarily fare super well under Nick Saban, but they do if they're just a uber talented or B the opportunity presents itself. Um, They, they bring in a really big wide receiver class and there's some guys that are kind of hybrid. So I'm just going to name all the guys that like are potential options Uh, for receivers for them this year you've got kendrick law who's an athlete listed like running back wide receiver uh, linebacker i believe as well i don't like him at all but (laughs) the rivals bama guy put out a thing the other day and said that kendrick law is in contention to kind of fight for a spot this spring i thought it was a super weird article because i just don't think he's a wide receiver at all but Kendrick Law, Aaron Anderson, who's a bit of a smaller guy. You're actually going to talk about him in your freshman profile tonight, so I won't steal your Spoilers, thunder man. there. Uh, Shaz Preston, who's my wide receiver four in the class, uh, six foot 190. He does profile as a boundary guy. Uh, Isaiah Bond, the speedy guy that we've you know we've talked about. He was really big at the All-American Bowl, uh, 5'10", 175, just fast, fast, fast. Kobe Prentice, a Joe, Joe Earl-ish kind of guy amari nye black who is a wide receiver tight end kind of hybrid very similar to jaleel billingsley he's 6'4, 220. um that's that's kind of the the group as of right now so i mean can you see one of them getting on the field at some point this year in any sort of meaningful role a lot of them seem like slot guys
1: yeah a lot of them are slot guys so you know, maybe if it's not a GA uh, Hall or or Holden, maybe Shaz Preston gets some work on the outside because uh, I think he's a, a very different wide receiver from Ja'Cory um, Brooks and JoJo Earl. So he could give them, you know, a little, he could fill a different role than those guys. But I think, honestly, Isaiah Bond is probably the one that I think is in a position where they don't have anybody else on the roster that kind of fills his skill set. Um, you know, you're, you had mentioned it. Um, I don't remember if you mentioned it on the show or if you mentioned it just in private discussions that we've had, but you view Bond as kind of like the Henry Ruggs type of a player mm-hmm. that they haven't had since then. Yep. And I would tend to agree with that. So I could see Isaiah Bond getting on the field. I don't know how significant of a role he'll have. Um, I like Aaron Anderson, like we'll talk about later um but i just think he is in the same mold as jojo earl and christian leary and those guys are ahead of him on the depth chart um kobe prentice not really a guy that i love that much either Um, so out of that crew i would say bond and then preston is probably my picks for earning a role this year
0: yeah i would probably agree with that i think if it's going to be a guy it's going to be one of those two shaz preston's a really fun player mm-hmm. um and as i kind of wrote in my eval i think if he played a little more under control he might have been in contention for my wider receiver one in the whole class because he's very skilled mm-hmm. um and, and a pretty darn good athlete there in his own right um he just he plays a little out of control at times so something that's definitely fixable um i'm sure nick Saban will will give him a xanax or something <laughs> um to, ch- to chill him out a little bit um Okay, so that's one situation. Let's talk about uh, Kentucky, another SEC school here who also loses a lot of their receiving production. Um, So granted, a lot of it's due to Wandale Robinson leaving, but they also lose Josh Ali, who was their second leading receiver last year. Between the two of them, they lose uh, 59.58% of their uh, receptions market share, 65.96% of their receiving yardage market share, and 39.13% percent of their receiving touchdowns market share they do have tavion robinson coming in this year transfer virginia techs we'll start the discussion there is he a guy that absorbs the uh alphas share a la wando robinson last year
1: yeah i would definitely lean that way um you know they also lose their tight end from this past year too so they're returning the other player with the most returning catches is fourteen, um, so not exactly a lot to go around there. And I think that they have a pretty good idea of who those guys on the roster are. I think Tavion Robinson's a player that was underutilized at Virginia Tech. I liked his skill set a lot. Uh, I just I don't think they used him in the best way. And I think that while Tavion Robinson is definitely not a Wandale Robinson. Um, I still think he can be their lead receiver there. Uh, so he would be the odds-on favorite for me to lead them in probably all receiving categories this year.
0: Okay. I, and I think I probably agree with you. Um, you know, that's the reason that they brought him in. Uh, would you believe me if I told you that last year in 2021, Kentucky brought in two four-star wide receivers
1: and another three-star that was right on the border? Um. I would believe you because I think that's why you're saying it, but I could not name who they were. They did.
0: I wouldn't be able to name them off the top of my head either. I'm just sitting here looking at them. Dekel Crowdis and Chris Lewis. Um, Lewis, a big guy, big athletic, 6'3", 190. Crowdis, a bit smaller, half 165. Um... I don't like they were both very, very raw coming out of high school. I'm just wondering if either of them take the next step. I don't have that much to add in particular for either one of those guys. I think it's just names to be aware of, and they're not rosterable right now. So right. I don't care if you're 45 rounds deep in a draft and you can't think of another name, make one up. Don't go with one of those <laughs> names. Uh, that is not what I'm telling you to do. But just there are some options there from last year's class as
1: well. Yeah, uh, sure. Like I said, I, I didn't know who they were. Um, so they're their options, they are on the roster. Um, and this is always get, this, is <laughs> <Yeah>. a... <laughs> okay. yeah. this is going to be a this is going to be a run heavy team. So obviously, I mean, you know, anybody who listens to this, I'm assuming, would know that, but let's preface it with that. So I don't necessarily know, know how much volume there is going to be to go around, but Tavian Robinson would be my pick for the number one, and your guy uh would be my pick for the number two, actually. I was going to say, would you believe me, Colin, if I told you
0: that the 2022 class has two four-star wide receivers in it as well? Uh, Both ranked higher than the kids last year, including Barry and Brown. Yes, that I would believe you. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Dane Key, the lower four-star kid, uh, a 39th wide receiver in his class going to the composite. But yeah, I am very much a fan of Barry and Brown. And he's actually been bumped down to my wide receiver too. Um, But he's a tier one kid for me. I think he can get on the field right away in specific packages and really do some damage there.
1: Yeah. I think he can absolutely get on the field in specific packages. And it honestly wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year, he was just starting in two wides, you know, or three wide sets. I'm not exactly familiar with what, how many wide receivers Kentucky runs. I imagine it's probably more two wide than three wide, but I don't have that number. Those numbers available in front of me here, but it would not surprise me if he's starting by end of
0: year. Yeah, I really wish Barry and Brown had gone to Alabama, which is where he was uh, predicted to go for a while, because I think that um, he could have filled in the Jalen Waddle role perfectly. Like he reminds me, he's a little bit bigger than Waddle, six one instead of like five nine, um, but very similar athletes. Um, so that would have, I see, ah, man, missed opportunity there, missed opportunity. But I think you know, Kentucky gets him on the field earlier. Right. Uh, just, you know, maybe I'm not as confident that the staff will use him correctly.
1: Right. Well, I mean, they did show, you know, they used Juan Dale very effectively this year. So maybe they have the ability to use wide receivers well uh, with, you know, QB1 Will Levis there. You know, the sky's the limit.
0: QB1 Will Levis, pour one out. All right. Let's talk some rushing production here on the next one, Colin. Um, this is one that I think everyone's probably aware of by this point. Uh, University of Louisiana, uh, Billy Napier. Again, we talked about Montreal Johnson leaving there earlier, following him to Florida. Amani Bailey also left there. We talked, we mentioned him last week about going to TCU. So two of their top three backs are out between those two guys. They had 47.06% of their rush market share, 53.84% of their rush yards market share, and 58.82% of their rush touchdown market share. So a significant portion all around what do we like to happen there this year with no guarantee that the staff wants to rotate three
1: backs like they have pretty consistently in recent times right so we we don't have any guarantee that they want to run the same system that Napier did but they did this one's a little bit more complicated because they hired from within in uh Michael I'm going to butcher this name Disormo Disormo you doing um, great sweetie thanks uh and Michael Disormo but as I was looking into this, DeSormo was actually there before Napier. He was the only coach that Napier kept on staff when he came aboard. Um, so there's no guarantee that he wants to run things the same way that Napier did. But I do think that Napier probably had a pretty significant impact on shaping him uh, you know, and, and shaping some of his play calling. With that being said, I think that this is very clearly going to be Uh, Chris Smith's backfield. I think he's the very easy, obvious choice for um, RB1. Uh, Then there's not really another guy there on the roster that I would feel that good about. Um, So I I would be be lying if I said I could project who it might fill in that second role. But I do think it's going to be a bit of a split backfield uh, because I do think you're going to get some influence from Napier
0: yeah so i mean i think chris smith is the only obvious name while i was digging through the rest of their roster though colin i did find another guy that i find really really johnny interesting. johnny lumpkin yes johnny lumpkin <laughs> thank you thank you for that <laughs> um no so last year i apparently closed the window there is another kid
1: um coming back there I feel like they brought in somebody else last year that was decent, uh, besides Amani Bailey. So they had
0: they had a kid named TJ Wisham, uh, who got some carries there last year. I think he's going to factor in, although he wasn't spectacular. Uh, averaged less than three yards per carry and a touchdown. But as I was going through, they brought in like like all the running backs on their roster besides the guys that left are listed as like freshmen, and there's like one or two redshirt sophomore. But I was looking at this one kid, Draylin Washington. Redshirt freshman running back listed last year at 5'9", 216. He's from Texas. Ran for over 5,000 yards in his high school career there and 60-something oh. touchdowns. I went and watched his film. He was like the 113th ranked running back in the country coming out of high school. And I'm not going to say that he's like just jumped off the screen to me, but for his size, he moved pretty well, and he has a verified 10-8-100. Okay. So I think, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not telling you to put this person on your roster. Please do not do that. But but I think you should definitely watch him and be aware and kind of monitor the first couple of game scores of Louisiana Lafayette and see, you know, A, are they still rotating these guys? And B, if they are, uh, who's getting some of the touches? Because I could see this kid factoring in a little bit, just based on his long speed, he's got good size at 216. So he's just a guy that I'm keeping an eye on. We'll see what ends up happening there. It's a total shot in the dark, but I was kind of trying to dig into some of these other backs they have on the
1: roster. Yeah. And high end production in Texas. Now, you know, I know nothing about this guy. This is the first time I've ever heard his name, but I think even the worst, uh, even the worst division and in, in, in level of, of football in Texas is better than the best division in some states. I don't so, know about that. <laughs> you can, I'm gonna put the worst division in Texas against the best division in New Hampshire. Who are you taking? I don't know. I feel like the lowest <laughs> division in Texas still sucks. I could be totally wrong, but I mean, I don't know. I just I I feel like that just carries a little bit of weight to it. I said, I don't know. I don't really Regardless. think New Hampshire's pumping out a lot of talent. No, Connecticut That's though, right. Connecticut. They Howard have some Dyke, decent guys. Cornelius yeah. Johnson. That's all I know. For those yeah. two. but They have um, some decent guys. Um, Will Levis is from one of the uh, the New England states. Oh, is he? I believe That's so. That's why he sucks. Um,
0: <laughs> last one here, Colin, and then we're going to do our freshman profiles and get out of here. Uh, SMU receiving production is an obvious one as well. Um, this was actually lower than I thought it would be. It's very, very mm-hmm. interesting. So Reggie Roberson, Danny Gray, and Grant Calcaterra all leave there this offseason. Between the three of them, they only, like, 44.23% of the receptions market share there, 52% of the receiving yards market share, and then 48.72% of the receiving touchdowns market share. Now, if I had told you to guess what was between those three, you would have guessed, like, 60%, right? Yeah. It actually shocked me, but it's still, you know, fifty percent of the receiving production. They do bring back Rasheed Rice, um, who was one of their leading uh, trio last year. Um, Dylan Goffney, a name. I, what else are you looking at on that roster? That, that loses their head coach, but kind of brings back, you know, uh, and uh, replaces him with a guy that that is also offensive minded.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, Rhett Lashley has produced some solid offenses there. So, you know, I, I am intrigued by this offense here. I do like Tanner Mordecai as everybody who listens to this show is sick of hearing about. Uh, so I do think there's, there's definitely some, some options to be had there. I think the largest role is obviously going to go to Rashi Rice as the most like production returning. And then you also have Goffney, like you mentioned, um they do bring in the uh guy that you are going no not the guy you're going to talk about um they bring in somebody this year they were going to bring in Jordan Hudson which is kind of a, a loss for them uh, I cannot remember right now who the who's that wide receiver that they're bringing in this year the SMU's was- bringing in. Yeah, I felt like there was somebody they were bringing in besides Hudson before. As I said, they
0: were supposed to bring Hudson, and I wasn't yeah. paying attention to the situation beyond that.
1: Yeah, um, but they, they have they have some talent there. And then obviously um, they have uh, Bentley in the backfield, too. So they, they have some options there. But Rice and Goffney are obviously the two I'm pay, um, paying attention to the most.
0: Yeah, so according to 247, they oh well, so they don't have any commits, they actually don't have any. Um, but what they do have is they bring Bo Corrales in. Okay, did not realize that, so that's interesting. Hmm. All right, I mean, not interesting in like I want Bo Corrales, but interesting is mm. in like I didn't know that Bo Corrales was in the transfer portal and that he was going to SMU, so um, cool. <laughs> Yeah, they could have really used Jordan Hudson. Um, they actually yes. have a very small class. That's interesting. Uh, probably, obviously, because of the coaching staff change. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think you're just going to see a consolidation of that target share between Goffney and Rasheed Rice, if I had to guess. Um, they do have uh, a tight end on the roster there, um, whose name is escaping right now. I think his last name is Benjamin, uh, by any chance. Yeah. Um, Big athletic kid. I tweeted about him earlier this year because he he caught a couple touchdowns. Um his name is
1: do to do to do. I don't see anybody named Benjamin on that Roberson. Uh no Roberson believe- Jr. They have two Roberson Juniors on the team. Reggie Roberson wow. Jr. and Roderick Roberson
0: Jr. Well they can't they can't be brothers, right? Because there's no unless I guess they have two dads. Like I don't think. I don't think they could be related. That's really really weird. Yeah, I don't think um, so. Um Oh man, now I can't remember. It's just like it, this dude's enormous and now it's I, I'll remember it like right after the show's over. Um Oh, it's Nolan Matthews. That's the kid. Okay. Nolan Matthews had two touchdowns last year. 6'4", 260, transferred in from Arizona State last year. Um could step in and, and do a little something. Probably not quite Grant cafeteria level, but on the radar. All right, Colin, freshman profiles tonight. You're talking Bama I'm talking not Bama. Um, so
1: there we go. Go ahead. Talk about Aaron Anderson. Uh, so Aaron Anderson, we we mentioned him a little bit earlier here. Um, he's definitely the, in the mold of the, the Jalen Waddle type of a role. Now, obviously they're not a one for one comp. Uh, Jalen Waddle was a first round draft pick. Very successful. He had a nice rookie year this year. Aaron Anderson would do very well to be Jalen Waddle, but, uh, Aaron Anderson, 5'9", 185 with a verified 10 700-meter seven, time. Uh, he is, he's short, but he's a fairly solid lower half. Uh, you know, fairly, he, he doesn't go down easily there. He's fairly thick. Um, he returns kicks at a very high level. So regardless of whatever he ends up being at, a, at the wide receiver position, I think he's going to be able to be a returner at a very high level. Um, Bama is a place that has a lot of high end athletes, but honestly, I could see him getting some time back there this year. Um, he returned three kick returns for touchdowns in a game against their rival. Uh, the name's escaping me right now, but it was televised on, on ESPN too. And he returned three kick returns for touchdowns in that game. He's got very good long speed. Uh, He's quick, uh, uh, high end change of direction ability. Uh, He's going to be a yak threat. Uh, when you know when he gets the ball in his hands, there, I do like that he also, he's also a hands catcher. Some of the smaller guys uh, tend to let the body the ball get into their body. He does not let it get into his frame. He'll extend to make some catches. He high points the ball really well as well for a guy, especially for a guy who's five nine. I think he shows some solid ball skills. He adjusts to the ball in the air very well. In terms of route running, uh, he varies his speed within the routes well. He snaps out of his breaks. Um, he has some variance in his release moves, particularly when he gets pressed at the slot. But he still needs to uh, uh, he still needs to develop some of those release moves there. But he does run a variety of routes for high school. You see him running regular screens, you see him some tunnel screens, some bug uh, bubble screens. Um, he'll run some corner routes, slants, fades, flies, posts. So it's fairly fairly uh, diverse route tree for high school. Um, he is likely limited to the slot only though, which I do think limits his ceiling, uh, particularly at Alabama where he's kind of irrelevant with Jojo Earl and Christian Leary already ahead of him there. He was used inside and outside in high school, but I don't see him being an outside receiver at all.
0: It's really funny. Cause I think you and Alfred both really, really like him and like the biggest note I, I have on He's actually a wide receiver. What'd you say? I said, I I don't think he's actually a wide receiver. Interesting. Like when I watched him play, I wrote that he's more running back than wide receiver based on size, build, and current skill set. A shift to that position would make a lot of sense, although I have no idea what type of vision he would possess as a runner. I don't know that Anderson ever cracks the wide receiver rotation at Bama, but he could just be a blind spot for me because a couple of you guys really like him.
1: Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I just, I really wish he was somewhere other than Alabama, honestly, Yeah. because I just, I don't see him getting on the field over to those other guys that are on the roster. I think his most likely path to playing time right now is special teams. Like I said, I, I could see him being a kick returner early for them, but I think he's going to have to transfer somewhere else to get time at wide receiver. So while I like him overall as a player, that's definitely a knock for me or if he runs over jojo earl with his car
0: then i could get him in line well, for some playing time too maybe maybe who's to say he you um,
1: might, might have to make sure leary's uh they're, they're riding a tandem bike and it's leary and waddle and he hits or uh, earl and he hits him hit him with <laughs> um so <laughs> so um i chose matthew
0: golden wide receiver is going to houston um I think this, this is a pretty funny Val, and definitely is better than his ranking in the composite would suggest. He's rated uh, there as the wide receiver 24 four seven has as him as their wide receiver twenty six. Just a little bit about Matthew Golden, six foot to six one, depending on where you're, what uh, source you're using. One hundred ninety pounds. He played for a client Kane High School there in Texas, which is a, a big time high school there. Uh, and as I said, he's going to Houston. Um, so just, uh, a few things about him athletically. He has a verified, uh, 10, 9, 3, 100, uh, in track and field. And he also has some pretty nice long jump, uh, distances as well. I don't know exactly what qualifies as like a, as good for jumps really ever. We were discussing this the other day about somebody and I was like, is this long jump good? Like, I don't, I, I don't know, but apparently his long jump is good. Um, so it kind of shows you know some burst uh, and some long speed there. Uh, as a football player, I think he moves very effortlessly. Uh, and I've talked about this a lot on the show and other places that I'm a big fan of football players that glide more than are kind of start stop, those herky jerk type of athletes. Uh, and Matthew Golden is very much a glider, which you know obviously bumps my rankings quite a bit. But he does have start-stoppability as well. Um, I think he changes very uh, direction very easily. I think he has very fluid hips, uh, helps him get in and out of breaks. He's very sure-handed. He attacks the ball very well at the catch point. I think he's probably one of the better – um, you know, uh, my ball type guys in this class. I think he has really nice body control when he's in the air. Uh can really go up uh, and, and do some things over top of DBs and has that size uh, as well. I think he has a solid release package right now, and obviously that will develop further in college. Um, and he made some big strides between junior and senior year, which is something that I like to see if possible. I mean, obviously, if they're just, you know, that guy is a junior, uh, maybe there's no room to grow, but I think he definitely did um, – And that's good to see. Um, So Houston, a place where you always want their wide receiver one, Nathaniel Dell probably has one more year there. Um, So maybe he can slide in there be kind of a complimentary piece year one. And I think he would be my favorite um, without even really caring what else is on the roster to take over the number one spot there. um, Once, once Dell leaves and it's a bummer that he was supposed to go to TCU and that TCU wide receiver, class potentially with DJ it was supposed to be DJ Allen Matt Golden and then they got um um, Jordan Hudson to switch over from SMU that would have been a sick sick group of wide receivers unfortunately um none of them are going to end up in the same spot but Matthew Golden good player nonetheless
1: yeah yeah no I I like Golden as well um I, I like that he attacks the ball with his hands I I don't like wide receivers that let the ball get into their frames. That's actually a pretty significant knock for me. So that's something that I always try to note on my evaluations. There's a time and place for it, but it's rare. Um, If you're not attacking the ball with your hands, um, then you're, like I said, it's a pretty significant knock for me. So I like Golden as well. And he was a big time producer in Texas too. He was. Um, He is my wide receiver eight.
0: Um, in the class, I believe, either eight or nine. So top 10 kid for me. He seems like he's going to the third round and a lot of the mocks we're doing. Um, so if you want him, you're going to have to pay up. Is that um, is that
1: you taking him in the third round?
0: I actually, I took him once. I took him beginning of the fourth, I believe, in a, mm. in a draft. Um, but I believe our um, our newest signee, uh, Hannah, took him in the the one that we're doing right now, in the third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... She's um, got. She's a soft doing spot for G five. She's doing G5, great. Yes. For those that have that you know don't follow us uh, on Twitter or, or missed uh, missed the announcement, we do have uh, several new additions to our staff mm-hmm. here this offseason. We'll be announcing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Hannah uh, is the uh, Western Kentucky contributor uh, for Rivals, uh, and we'll be doing just a ton of different um, you know data things, writing you know college writing, just whatever really she wants to do um, with us because she is smart and that. Yeah, it's cool um, with us.
1: Yeah, if you guys, you know, obviously it's it's a little bit dated because it was during the year, but she did a really good uh analyzing the enemy article for Western Kentucky, um, you know, and whoever they played that week with a lot of really good statistical breakdowns. Um, that was a fantastic series. Um, and then obviously also she's uh she's got a little insider knowledge at at, at Western Kentucky too which she'll drop from now and then every now and then in our Discord. Exactly. All right. So that is going to do it for this week's show
0: guys. Again, apologies. We are taking the month of January off from Canton bound to work on a rather large project that we've got got going on at the site. And that's all we can tell you now. So don't ask us. We won't tell you anything. Colin might. He kind of gets up easily. I
1: accept bribes. (laughs) I can be bought. Okay. So
0: DM Colin if you want to know his price um and he can certainly he can certainly start steering you in that direction um i can't be bought i can't be bought that's all i'm gonna say so um so yeah so no can't bound this week guys check out the fantasy football roundtable guys they will have all of the nfl information that you guys want if you're still looking for it here during the nfl playoffs um Check out the rest of the podcasts on the podcast channel right now. I believe the only active one is Debbie Debate. The others are kind of taking the early off-season oh, off. about about uh, the new one? Dwight's. Oh, yeah, when Daily Draft Report. Yeah, yeah, it was there you on go. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so I, that if you guys have noticed, uh, I think I've listened to all of them. I think I'm all caught up. Um, I've not guys... listened to the Sauce Gardener yet. Okay, that's Shane Hallam. You got to listen to that one. Um, so, if you guys don't know, Elliot Christ used to do a, a podcast series in the off season called the Daily Draft Report. Is basically ten to fifteen minute blurbs with a guest for every single one. It came out every single day, uh, just on one prospect every single day, a different prospect. Um, Dwight Peebles has re, uh, you know brought this pod back. He's going to be the host. Uh, we're a weekend, so we've got to believe six episodes total. Um, and he's going to keep churning them out every weekday. Um, so go listen to those mostly offensive guys, a couple of mm-hmm. defensive guys thrown in there as well. Um, you can find those on our, on our podcast feed or uh, on the DDR um, uh, feed as well. Um, YouTube, go subscribe over there. Campus Canton, check out the website Two ninety nine 99 a month, 29, 99 a year. Why not Do it. do it, 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 do it now. But until next time, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.